Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, open eyes today, illuminate hearts. We will give you all the honor for what you accomplished through the teaching of your Word today. And I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we all say amen. Well, we've been in a series in the book of Jonah. We're in part three today. And we're going to talk about how God can can turn it around. We're going to begin in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. And and actually, we're going to get to chapter 4. So it's going to take a a couple moments to get through it all. But we're going to learn a a lot of things today. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, watch this, the second time. Now, when God spoke to Jonah the first time, Jonah kind of thumbed his his nose at God and told heaven, you know what, I don't want to be bothered. I have other plans. You know, I I see things differently than, than you, God. And you might, you know, read that and think, well, I would never do that. But the truth is we have all uh, done this. And this is why the book of Jonah is so very relevant to us today. Now, let's read it one more time. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Watch this again. The second, the what? Second Time. Now, here is the beautiful thing. Though Jonah slammed uh, the door in God's face the first time, God is a God of a second chance. And we see this over and over again in the scripture. You know, God knows our ugliest parts, but he loves us anyway. He sees all of our faults, but somehow chooses to see our, see our possibilities. And, and this is the type of God uh, we worship. Let's read it again. It's hard to get through this verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah Watch this again, the second time. Now, it took me years to learn this about God, but you cannot go on to the next thing until you have trusted and obeyed the last thing. This is why many of us live life stuck. We might have been Christians for for 20 years, 30 years, but there's no vibrancy, there's no real strength, there's no real passion, there's no real vigor in our walk with God. But, But how do we get there? Well, because at some point, God told you to forgive, but, but you were like, no, Lord, let, let's go on to other things. Or, or maybe God told you to stay. Maybe God told you to apologize. Maybe God told you to tie. There's a big one. But we want to move, move on to, you know what, Lord, teach me how the anointing works. Lord, teach me, you know, uh, w- when would Jesus return? Lord, teach me how healing works. But what happens is we can't go on to the next things until we are faithful in first things. Verse 2, he said, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message, watch this, that I tell you. This is all God asks, asks of us. Just say what I say. So if God calls it wrong, don't call it right. If God calls it right, don't call it wrong. If God says, speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain and tell it to move. We, we'll get what we want if we would just follow his directions. So Jonah, watch this, arose and when instead of arguing with the Lord this time, instead of thumbing his nose this time, Jonah put on his sneakers and he obeyed God. And you know, when I look back over my life, the, the greatest amount of wasted time was the time I spent not getting started. And you're probably the same way. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And when God's word is guiding you, absolutely nothing can stop you. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, so it would take several days for him to preach this message throughout uh, Nineveh and all of its uh, suburbs. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first days 
a walk. So, you know, he's in this city. He's a foreigner. The buildings are impressive. Uh, it's bustling. And, and he kind of stands out like a sore thumb because, you know, everyone in different cultures dresses a certain way. So he's probably the only one dressed like him in this place. And then he says, and the verse says, and he cried what? Out. Now, now, few things are more boring and more sad than being an uninspired preacher. You know, my thinking is speak with conviction and courage or sit down and, and be quiet. You know, why do we constantly try so hard to, to fit in when God has called us to stand out, be unique, be different? And, and it's this difference that actually makes us attractive. And it's the salt, actually, that, that adds savor to all the things that we're mixed in. And then he speaks and he says, yet 40 days in Nineveh, watch this, shall be overthrown. This was a horrific message. This was a horrible message. This was not a message any of us would ever want to preach to a city. But we must say what God says, not only what people want to hear. And this is what the prophet was learning. But watch this again, verse 5. So the people of Nineveh, these are pagans. These are not Israelites. These are people from uh, a distance. These are people of different culture, a different mindset. They even worship different gods. But the Bible says the people of Nineveh believed God. And if we would just get back to saying what God says, we might be surprised by how many people would, would, would listen and maybe might even respect us for the fact that we have spoken God's word. And they responded by proclaiming a fast. So everyone turned over their plates as a sign that they were actually turning over their hearts to God. And this is why every January we begin the year with our 21-day consecration. It's an opportunity for us to start the year turning our hearts toward God so he can turn our year in his direction as well. And they put on, watch this, sackcloth. This is thick, scratchy cloth made from goat skin, very, very uncomfortable, you know, not something you, you really want to wear. But the point they were making is they didn't care how uncomfortable they might get. They just wanted God. And when you get so hungry, it doesn't matter your, your, your personal comfort. It doesn't matter your personal preferences. And the only thing that matters is hearing from God. Everything will begin to change in your life. You know, I, I found in my life, maybe you're different, but when I'm not hungry from God, it's typically because I'm full of myself. And uh, it's only when I get over myself that I really begin to get my appetite back for the things of God. Maybe it's a wound. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe something somebody said to you, but you don't want God, the things of God. You, you know, you don't have time for church anymore. You don't have time for a message like this anymore because you're, you're so full of your wound, your hurt, your desires, your disappointments, again, that you don't have any room for God. But when you're willing to get past that, that's when you open yourself up for, for the very best things. And the Bible says that this happened from the greatest to the least of them. Nobody was too busy. Nobody was too good to participate. They were all in. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, meaning, uh, you know, Jonah's ministry actually reached the ears of the king. And you have no idea of the things that you do and say whose ears they're actually reaching. And he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This one man armed only with the word of God impacted and overturned an entire city. Imagine what we can do with our families and our communities if we would just hold on to God's word, if we would just do what God said and say what God says about our, our situations. And the king caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. Let's skip to eight. 
Let man and beast be covered with what? Sackcloth. So this king was so serious that Fido and Kitty, they were also involved. So not only did the people fast, we see their, their livestock, their cats and their, their dogs, they were also covered in sackcloth. And, and then what he told the king, now the king was serious. This, this was no, no laughing matter. He, he heard from the God of Israel and uh, he believed the word of the Lord. So he did, you know, uh, practical things. Like, I don't want just everybody. I want all the animals. I mean, he went as far as you can go. And I want you to cry mightily to God. So this was a prayer meeting like uh, none other. The psalmist says, uh, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. And then the problem I know with me sometimes is my prayers are shallow. They're superficial prayers. They kind of come out of just a a moment of thought versus those deep heart cries. And uh, here, the people of the land cried out to God. This was not perfunctory. This was not just a matter of duty. This was not a matter of just trying to be religious. They cried out to the Lord because there is hope for the hopeless, rest for the weary, and healing for the wounded. Let man and beast man and beast, be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily. This is the king's edict to God. Yes, let everyone, everyone turn from his evil way. So revival is hit. The king has been changed and he's, he's requiring the people to also uh, turn. This is why leadership is so important. You want to get behind men and women that are following after, after God here. And then it says, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So this pagan king put his faith in God. He thought that if God can turn night into day every single day, he could certainly turn around things for his, his, his people. See, if you're heading in the wrong direction with God, U-turns are always legal. Broken things can become blessed things when we, 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 we let God do all the mending. Then God saw their works. He not only heard their words, but when he saw Fido and Kitty in sackcloth, he knew these people were for real. When everyone, including the king, were in these uncomfortable clothes and and they were crying out to God, he knew that people were serious. Here's the question. When are you going to get serious about the things going on in your life, in your family, in your situation? Then God saw their works. They turned away from their evil. And this is amazing. And God relented from the disaster, meaning what the prophet predicted did not come to pass because the people turned. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not what do this. Your sin is never bigger than God's mercy, but you got to be willing to get back on the right road and do it right and not just what's easy. Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So Jonah wanted God to have mercy on, you know, me and mine, if you will. He was real comfortable with God having mercy on the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. You know, his attitude was, you know what, bless my wife and my two kids, us four, and, and no more. But when, when God had mercy on people who sinned differently than him, All of a sudden, he has a different attitude. So he prayed to the Lord. He's upset. He said, oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? 
I, I fled previously to Tarsus, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, God. I wanted a God of judgment. I wanted a God of terror. I, I wanted you, you to handle your business, God, but I knew you were merciful. I knew you were kind. I know that you're slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. You see, God had compassion on Jonah when he was going in the wrong direction, but Jonah was angry with God for having compassion on others when they were going in the wrong direction. What if God held your sins against you the way you're holding the sins of others against them? Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. What a drama queen. Just because you're a drama queen doesn't mean God's required to treat you like royalty, though. And, uh, you know, he's whining and crying about God's justice. You just saw that the fish swallowed him up and didn't destroy him, how God preserved him. But, you know, mercy stopped with him, and he didn't want to extend to tell us. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, watch God's patience. You know, if I were God, you know, uh, you know I, I, maybe I'd flash, you know, a lightning bolt or two, maybe, you know, just a mild earthquake. Uh, may, maybe I'd throw in a, a plague of, of frogs and, and some lice, uh, just a little bit, you know, on the side, maybe a few boils as well, uh, you know, just to, to make my point. But if it wasn't for God's grace, God is absolutely amazing. God asked him a question. And I find every time God asks me a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Oftentimes it's because I, I, I'm not doing things right. He said, is it right for you to be so angry? God was like, dude, you need to look in the mirror. Every finger you point at others, three are pointing back at you. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. The city was skirted by, by hills. So, uh, you know, he went up. Uh, the, the hills so he can look back down on, on, on the city. But don't look down on people unless you are helping them up. There he made himself a, a, a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And it says, and God prepared a what? Plant. So the first chapter, God prepared a fish for Jonah. Now he prepares a plant for Jonah. People, God is prepared to do whatever it takes to get our attention and to call us back to himself. And he made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. This might have been a castor oil plant. There's some debate about it, but most scholars think that that's what it was. So the huge leaves and you could rest under the bush. So Jonah was very grateful for the, the plant. So as long as Jonah was the one getting help, he was good. The problem was he didn't care if anyone else got theirs. And we have to watch our attitudes because it's the first things people notice about us. But as morning dawned the next day, watch this again. God prepared a worm. God prepared a fish, remember? God prepared the plant. Next, he prepares a worm. And might some of the challenges in our lives be that God is prepared some things to try to tell us something about ourselves. And it so damaged the plant that it withered, verse 8. And it happened when the sun arose, watch again, that God prepared a vehement wind. Again, God, what, prepared a fish, a plant, a worm, and now a hot 
east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah was mad at God's mercy. The real problem was the selfishness that existed in his heart. He wanted all of God's mercy, all of God's kindness, all of God's forgiveness for himself. But he really didn't care about others receiving that same mercy, that same kindness, that same grace. But I have to say, Jonah is a lot like like me. I never make the same mistake twice. I tend to make it seven or eight times just to be sure. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. You're saying, Jonah, you made no investment in this plant and you only care about it because of what it did for you. And God is really calling Jonah out about what's going on in his heart. He was a good Jew. He was an observant Jew. Technically, he obeyed all the religious commandments, but in his heart, there was a self-consumption. There was a self-absorption that made it such that it was very difficult for God to use him. He said, just like you're concerned about that plant or angry about that plant, verse 11, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? You felt sorry for that plant as it withered because of the worm. These people are dealing with something far worse than just a worm. Should not I pity Nineveh, that great city? God was saying, you know, Jonah, you know that I, I got you. But what about me also having other people? Jonah, you know I love you, but what about you also helping me reach other people with my love. And until our lives get bigger than just me, my wife, you know, my two children, us four, no more, you may have right religion, but you will never really know fulfillment. Today in this quick message, my, my hope is that all of us get behind the, the advance offering so that we can reach more, but most importantly, if you see some of yourself in this prophet Jonah, I know as, as I studied and prepared, I, I couldn't help but see, you know, some of my journey with the Lord in this book. And if you're in a situation where you're running from God and maybe mad at God, it's time to come home. God has prepared a set of circumstances to bring you home. And if you'd listen, if you would just heed God's instruction, God is here to mend, God is here to heal Again, in the kingdom of God, matter of fact, in life in general, U-turns are legal. All you have to do is repent. All you have to do is turn. All you have to do is reverse, switch directions. And if today you know you're running in the wrong direction, it's all about you getting to the next level. It's all about self. It's all about me and I. Someone said, you know, if your world is, is all wrapped up in you, you know, your world is in a very, very small package. And we want to live lives bigger than ourselves. And, and the way we do that is first by surrendering to the Lord and said, Lord, not only do you love me, but I know you love others. Father, as you've forgiven me, I want to forgive others. As you've shown grace to me, I want to show grace to others. As you have disciplined me, I want to be righteous to others. So, you know, the cross goes in two directions. There's the vertical, but there's also the horizontal. And it seems that Jonah had something of the vertical somewhat right. You know, he was a prophet. 
He had right doctrine, but he didn't have a right attitude towards his fellow men and women. And my prayer today is that each of us would, would, would learn from this book and begin to try to get it right. Lord, help me live a life bigger than myself. Lord, help me live for more than just me. Lord, if you could use anybody, please use me, Lord. I want to be involved in your work. Lord, help me get over me. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.